Well, it's another edition of the Bullers Extra Podcast uh, after uh, Purdue's 79-69 victory over Florida State in the Big Ten ACC Challenge in Tallahassee. Uh, Bullard Makers now 7-0 on the year, ranked number five in the country. And this game probably played out like most of us thought. You know, you're coming off the big weekend in Portland, uh, where you beat West Virginia, uh, Gonzaga, and Duke. Uh, you fly back home, uh, get home Monday morning, 5 a.m. Then you've got other travel problems getting to Florida. You don't get here till Wednesday at, at 2.30 in the morning. You play the game. You're struggling a little bit for the first 30 minutes or so. And then uh, you, you kind of put it together. But, you, you know, this was a game that, you know, at the beginning of the year when you looked at the schedule before you knew the, the really the personnel of each team and how would, how would it play out or potentially play out, this was a game that I thought Purdue would lose just based on the circumstances. Just everything I laid out there where you go to Portland, you play three games in four days, uh, the travel part catches up with you a little bit. You've got players that have never done this before with a quick turnaround. It's more mental than physical. Um, and then on top of that, uh, how it actually played out is that, you know, Purdue played really well out in Portland, took care of business, um, made a big jump in the polls, and now is, you know, getting a lot of love for you know, being one of the top five teams in the country, maybe the number one team in the country based on how they're playing, and to handle all that and still come to uh, Florida State, which is Purdue's first true road game of the year because the neutral site games in Portland, you know, were, were that, neutral sites. But to, to come and, and win on the road, and I know Florida State's now one and eight, and They've lost in Nebraska, and they've lost to Siena, and they've lost to other teams, but um, they're still an ACC team. They still play pretty good defense. Uh, they've got some shooters uh, that, that gave Purdue problems. You know, Darren Green Jr. was at the top of the list with 23 points, but he got 16 of those in the first half. You know, and Matthew Cleveland had 20 points. Uh, and, you know, Florida State shot the ball well uh, from – from three-point line, seven to twenty-two. Well, that's not great, but uh, it, it looked better than that. You know, Green was four or seven, so I guess that's probably where they shot the ball well came from. But you know, they were right there in the thick of it to about oh twelve, eleven minutes to go in a game when Purdue um, you know, got the lead uh, and extended it to to nine and. And then needed another run a little bit later from Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith to put put the game away. So this was more of a a toughness win uh, because you know they had turnover problems early. Uh, they didn't shoot the ball particularly well early. Uh, you need you needed to have some other guys step up. I mean they <clears throat> offensively, excuse me, offensively they really leaned on Zach Eady in the first half. I think he scored. Um, 15 straight points for Purdue at one point. Uh, 
no one else was really involved in the offense, and they were, you know, they were trying to get the ball inside to him. But, um, you know, he, he carried the load, you know, offensively for Purdue um, until some other guys got going, and those two other guys were Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. Uh, again, another good combo game for them, combined 24 points, 11 assists. Um, you know, they were 8 of 22 total uh, shooting the ball, two of eight from three, but there were six of eight from the free throw line. You know, Brandon Smith flirted with a triple-double with nine rebounds and seven assists, and his ability to get in the lane and find Zach Eady, find Caleb First, uh, really helped Purdue pull away and and, and seal seal up this uh, victory uh, for them. Caleb First was really big off the bench, seven points. Uh, had a nice stretch there during a 9-0 run that uh, opened up the lead for Purdue. Uh, Matt Painter was mad at himself for not playing him more. He played almost 15 minutes and probably should have had more more minutes there. Um, so a lot of time left to get him minutes. And uh, he, he's playing well. He played well out in Portland. Uh, hit the boards hard, brought good energy. And he did the same thing uh, uh, in this game uh, against Florida State. Now, you know, Purdue get tomorrow off and then get ready for Big Ten play, at least uh, early on in Big Ten play, where they'll they'll take on uh, Minnesota on Sunday, and then they got Nebraska at the back end of the week. They got Hofstra in the middle. But, uh, you know, Purdue should get off to a good start in Big Ten play with based on the opponents that, that are going to come on the schedule. You know, Minnesota, I think, is 4-3 and three right now. Uh, Nebraska did beat Florida State. Nebraska, I think, beat Boston College in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So, you know, they're they're getting some wins here uh, in the early part of the year, and you got to go out there, and that won't be, you know, it's never really the cakewalk you think it's going to be. But, you know, teams, nothing changes with Purdue as far as what you have to deal with. I mean, you got to deal with Zach Eady. It's just plain and simple. You got to deal with Zach Eady, and uh, when he gets deep, he's going to score. Just is 11 of 14 tonight in this game, eight rebounds, 25 points. Um, but you know everybody's got to deal with him, and so far no one has really slowed him down. I mean, in the first game of this year, if you if you remember, he was like four for 13 from the field. Um, but since then, he's been shooting lights out. Uh, he's just he's very very difficult to deal with for anybody down there. Um, I'm, I'm surprised more teams don't double him. And I don't know, Florida State, from what I remember watching the game, I mean, they didn't they didn't do a whole lot of doubling. Now, they have, they have their own seven-foot-four player, but um, he was he was really not a factor in trying to defend. He, he, he ended up blocking three shots in the game. Um, but uh, I don't think any of them were Zach's. But... Uh, but, you know, Purdue's got a force in the middle that they use, that they play through a lot. And, you know, the two freshman guards are really, um, you know, keep growing up, keep maturing. Um, you know, they, they are playing like veterans. Uh, the, you know, they're going to hit some rough spots. That's just the way it goes. But, you know, there's other players on this team that can help pick up the slack. Ethan Morton is one. Um, you know, Brandon Newman... Another big rebounding game for him. Seven defensive rebounds for Brandon Newman. Um, 
you know, Caleb or Trey Kaufman Wren is another guy painter wanted to get more minutes, but just didn't work out. Uh, and then, you know, Mason Gillis is as solid as they come from a um, competitive standpoint. And he had seven rebounds as well. I mean, Purdue really has done a great job rebounding uh, these last three games for sure. Cause they've, They've, they've won the rebounding in each of the last three by double digits. Um, it was 15 tonight, 46 to 31. Uh, so they're they're not allowing a lot of offensive rebounds. Uh, Florida State at seven. Now they turn those into 11 second chance points, which I always look at. If you can get a point for every offensive rebound, then I think you're doing you're doing pretty well. And, you know, Florida State had seven offensive rebounds at 11 points, so they they were able to to really maximize that, where, where Purdue had 12 offensive rebounds but only had eight points, so they didn't maximize all theirs. But, you know, Braden Smith was big on the boards, five offensive rebounds for him, nine total. Uh, he actually out-rebounded Zach by one. Um, so, uh, but another good job on the board. That's something that's going to have to continue. Uh, throughout uh, you know the rest of the season, but really as they get into uh, next week, where you're playing you know three games in a week before you get the finals, and uh, um, you know Purdue can really uh, still continue the momentum that it's built up here um, in the early part of the year, uh, and, and and when you look at the schedule, um, I'm not sure Purdue should lose until they get to January. Uh, you know, Rutgers, even though I think Rutgers got beat in the Big Ten ACC Challenge tonight. Um, but that game's at home. You have to feel good about Purdue winning that game. But, you know, you look at Minnesota at home, that's a game Purdue should win. Offshore at home, a game Purdue should win. At Nebraska is a game Purdue should win. You got Davidson down in Indianapolis, a game Purdue should win. Then you've got really two, um, two games that you better win. That that shouldn't shouldn't be that close. I think it's New Orleans and Florida A and M. Ironically, Florida A and M is located in Tallahassee, so Purdue could probably take them back on their plane, and they could play a game Friday, and then they wouldn't have to come back uh, in late December to to play the regular game. But and then you get into January with Rutgers and Ohio State and Penn State. You know, Ohio State may be that first game where Purdue would lose. Um, would, or would have the chance to lose in that game. And then you got to go to Penn State, or you're going to Philadelphia to play Penn State at the Palestra, and that, that environment will be wild and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, Purdue's got a chance to really um, win a lot of games, build a lot of confidence. Um, so when they get back into Big Ten play, they're, they're kind of ready to go. And, I, you know, this is a you, – you always – it's dangerous to compare teams. It's dangerous to, you know, say, well, this team did that. Last year's team didn't do this. You know, this team is uh, better defensively uh, than last year's team. Now, from top to bottom, it may not be as individually talented, but but that may be the beauty of what this team is doing right now as far as playing together. Not that last year's team didn't, but playing together and having that um, point guard that distributes first and thinks about scoring later, 
Um, so, you know, there's there's differences between this team and last year's team. But I also think the experience of, la- you know, the players that came back from last year that are playing on this year's team really, um, you know, I, I think they're using that experience, especially right now with the target on Purdue's back, to help navigate, you know, this part of the season. Because, you know, Purdue probably, if they keep winning, they're going to move up in the polls. Probably won't get to number one because Houston is not going to get challenged that much. And they're not going to drop from that number one spot. But you're going to be in the five, four, if you keep winning, maybe three, maybe two range at some point. So they've got to, you know, you got to understand what happened last year when they got ranked number one. And not that they lost. It's not the point that they lost. It's just, you know, they need to, you know, just kind of keep their head about them and understand they haven't really won anything yet other than they get a PK-85 trophy to put in the the trophy case. But no Big Ten championship last year, no tournament championship, no Final Four. Uh, So, you you know, last year was an empty feeling. And then we'll see if this year's team can can take care of that and um, get get some championships out of this year, and it'll be tough. I mean, the Big Ten is not what it was last year, but you look at some some of the uh, games that have happened so far. I mean, um, Chris Murray at Iowa had a terrific game the other night. Uh, I think 31 points, 20 rebounds. IU beat North Carolina. Um, so there's a lot of good things happening in the Big Ten. Uh, I think once we get to January and the schedule really ramps up, um, you're going to see a lot of, you know, a lot of teams. I think there's a lot more balance than, than what people think. It's not as top-heavy as it was last year, and you don't have the lottery picks that you had, you know, last year. Not all of them, at least. Uh, so, you know, I think it's going to be a really fun and fascinating race uh, in the Big Ten. All right, well. Uh, going to wrap it up uh, for this edition of the the podcast. You got uh, uh, football coming up Saturday in the Big Ten Championship game. Purdue about a 16.5 point underdog uh, right where right where they should be. And uh, um, yeah, right now on jconline.com, we got a preview with uh, Andrew Kahn from the mlive.com group uh, talking about Michigan. So you can find that at jconline.com and plenty of content uh, regarding basketball and football uh, up there right now to get your Purdue fix uh, leading up to to Saturday's uh, championship game. Well, we appreciate you stopping by, and uh, we'll be back uh, probably early (laughs) Sunday morning again after a late night to recap the championship game and, you know, probably have more of a clear uh, answer what bowl game uh, Purdue will be going to because you know a lot of that depends just on the college football playoff, what happens with these championship games and and all that kind of stuff. So we'll have a, probably a better idea at the end of Saturday's game where Purdue may go. It looks like, and I've mentioned this before, it looks like Purdue at worst would be in Florida, uh, either in Tampa or Orlando. And so that would be a, a nice reward for the season, nice reward for winning the Big Ten West. may not be nice because you're going to probably go and play an SEC team. Uh, but 
haven't been to Florida in a long time. It probably be good. Probably good that they went went down there. And and if they win, it's not guaranteed they'd be in the Rose Bowl uh, because of the way the contract language is right now. You know, Purdue's not even ranked in the college football playoff, um, and they won't be one of the highest ranked teams in the Big Ten. So, getting the Rose Bowl is not as cut and dried as it as it seems. Now, for us traditionalists, we I, I firmly believe the Big Ten champion, if they're not in the college football playoff, should be in the Rose Bowl, regardless of their record or regardless of anything. But that's just an old man talking. Uh, I I thoroughly enjoy the the Big Ten, Pac eight, Pac twelve, Pac sixteen, whatever it is, uh, matchups in the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day, or in this case, New Year's January second, uh, which is the day after New Year's Day, because. New Year's Day falls on a Sunday, and the NFL, of course, rules the world, and they're going to play on New Year's Day, and nobody else wants to play on New Year's Day. But anyway, uh, much more clear picture after Sunday, or after Saturday, regarding Purdue's bowl situation. Again, thanks for stopping by, and appreciate it. Uh, Have a good day.